The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning where we can gather here together as a family, Lord, and be here meditating on your scripture. And Lord, as we dwell on this passage, Lord, we thank you that because of your good news and because of your sacrifice from your son, we don't have to read this passage as another to-do list of a way to earn our way to heaven, Lord, but that we can view it as a framework for how you are transforming our lives through the good news of your son. And so, Lord, as we engage in that process this morning through listening, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would humble us, and that you would remove distractions from us, Lord. And we thank you for how you are so powerful that you can reach each of us individually to hear what you want us to hear from you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just thank Janie for that update? Great job, Janie. I'm so thankful for her. Uh, if this is your first time, my name is Randall. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue in the book of Proverbs. Um, and so our series is Ancient Wisdom in a Modern World. Um, the text for today is from Proverbs 4, 14 through 27. And um, the message is the heart of wisdom. The heart of wisdom. Um, if you want to know more about uh, the heart of wisdom, we, we look to God, to God's heart. And so uh, a good book to learn more about the heart of God is a book called Gentle and Lowly, um, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And so if you want to know more about God's heart, I encourage you, read this book. I'll be right up here. We'd love to give it to you. Um, we also have a couple copies at our resources uh, tent. So today, if you're just joining us, uh, we've been looking at Proverbs and really what wisdom is. And to understand wisdom, we need to understand the heart behind wisdom. The question is, is, is wisdom just a set of rules and techniques that we memorize? Or is it much deeper? Well, the book of Proverbs in verse uh, uh, 4.23 uh, says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Now, this is a very famous passage in the book of Proverbs. Keep your heart with all vigilance, 
for from it flow the springs of life. Now, what does this mean? Ray Ortland Jr. says, this tells us that life doesn't flow from the outside in. Let me stop there. So what we think is that life flows from the outside in. If I get that possession, if I get that job, if that person comes into my life, if I get that place, whatever it is, we think it's from the outside in. He says, it flows from the inside out. He says, we need our hearts continuously, continuously filled with the ever fresh life of Christ by faith in the gospel. When it comes to wisdom, there's something much deeper that comes into your life. And it comes from the out, inside out. So what does the Bible mean when it says the heart? And, and how does that impact our lives? That's what we're going to look at today. As we've looked uh, at in this series, living wisely is about becoming the type of person that makes good, God-centered decisions, especially when life is unclear and complex. It's the ability to navigate moments in life where important choices call for discernment, discipline, or discretion. As we looked at last week, Proverbs 3, 5 says, it's to trust in the Lord. And part of that trust is not leaning on your own understanding and also not trying to make your own paths, but trusting that God will make a way. See, living wisely is also much more than just decision-making. It's about our character and becoming people of integrity when no one is looking. Now, when I was in college, I, 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 I've said this before, but I didn't grow up in a, a Christian home, became a Christian in high school, felt a calling on my life to, to go to uh, a Christian college and, and go into ministry. And this was the first environment for me where uh, school was about learning the Bible and, and it was exciting. And I remember I was in a class taught by a man, uh, Dr. Gerald Mattingly. Now, he's helped with the translation of the New Living Translation. He's done archaeology work all over um, Israel, um, ancient Israel. And so uh, he's done a lot. And, and he was one of my professors. And I was in his class, and there was a big test coming up. And one of the things he told us is, there's going to be a bonus question, but you have to go to the library to get that answer. And so, kind of went through the week, super busy, never got a chance to get to the library. I was walking up to class, and I heard some of my classmates talking about it, and they said, this is the answer. Here's what the answer is. And so we're walking up to class, we take the test, gets to the last question. And the question is the bonus question, which you had to go to the library for. But I knew the answer because I was walking with people who said what it was. So I'm looking at it and I write it down. Come up to the front of the classroom. He's collecting each test. And the question he asks is, did you go to the library and get that answer? I said, yes. 
I went back to my dorm room and I felt convicted in my heart. And I sent him an email and I said, hey, on that last question, the bonus question, I didn't go to the library. I heard people talking about it on the way up. They knew the answer. I didn't. But I wrote it down and I lied to your face. And I said, I'm sorry. And whatever you decide on the rest of the test, I'll receive that. I accept that. So I sent him the email and he sent back to me a message of grace. He said, that was a test of character. He says, yeah, you messed up. And he says, I want you to get this. You're going to mess up in life too. But it's when you own it and you circle back and you trust what God's saying in your heart to do the right thing to do. And I want you to know that it's God's grace that's going to cover you. See, that day, I learned a lot about walking in wisdom, walking in discernment, walking in discipline, but it was by doing the wrong thing. But it was somebody who had grace on my life who showed me what the heart of wisdom really is. See, you and I are going to fail. You and I are going to mess up. But what's the heart of wisdom? Christ, who covers sinful people. That's the gospel. See, you will fail at tests, but God is faithful in picking you up. How do you keep going? Well, it's going to be again and again taking one step and putting it in front of the other. It's not easy. Eugene Peterson once said, there's a great market for religious experience in our world. There's little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. See, what my professor understood was that I was a work in progress. And what you need to understand about yourself is that you are a work in progress, but it's God is faithful on that journey to get you there. But it's a journey, and it's going to be difficult. It's not just a one-time experience. It's a lifelong obedience. You see, today we live in a culture that values the outside giftedness more than the inside integrity, and Proverbs calls that foolishness. God's path is different. He does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart like it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Proverbs 4, 18 through 19, uh, this verse tells us that there's two paths. One that's a path of light, another that's a path of darkness. It says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. C.S. Lewis says, 
It is a serious thing to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption which as you meet now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. Friends, is our life becoming more light, brighter, and brighter? Or are we on a path right now that's becoming darker and darker? Because the path of wisdom says there's two paths. Which one will you take? So we're going to dive into particularly Proverbs 4, 20 through 27, and we're going to do this quickly. But just to give some background, this section is written by King Solomon. King Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. His father was King David. And the way that Proverbs is set up is that we are being invited into a tradition of wisdom. This is like a lineage of wisdom. It's, it's a family lineage saying, you want wisdom? Come on in. Like, I, I want to share this with you. Uh, this tradition is previous generations handing down to us something valuable that they've discovered or learned. And so that's what we get to study today. And so how do we walk on God's path for life? There are three truths that we must understand. It's understanding, number one, the struggle. Number two, the source. Number three, the solution. The struggle, the source, the solution. And so first, the struggle. Look at verses 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And so first, do you see Solomon's urgency here as he's sharing this wisdom? He's saying, be attentive, incline your, incline your ear, let them not escape, keep them within your heart. See, what is Solomon warning us of? He's telling us first that life is a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle. And he's encouraging us, don't allow your heart to grow cold towards God in the midst of struggles. We can come, become bitter and cold to God when we're going through struggles. But he's telling us, there will be struggles. How can our hearts grow cold to God as we're going through struggles? Well, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. It says this, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's saying, you and I need encouragement every day. What's inside of our hearts? What are we listening to? What are the things that we're telling ourselves? Are they gospel truths? Are they God's truth? Or are they other things that are starting to creep in? Like we've talked about before, John Bunyan, he's a pastor, uh, author of Pilgrim's Progress. He wrote this at the, in the front of his Bible. 
He wrote, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book or, or this book will keep you from sin. That's a pretty straightforward, there's only two paths type of thing, right? And so when we're thinking about this type of wisdom, why is Solomon so adamant to warn us? Well, Solomon understands how sin can destroy lives. It can destroy anyone. He experienced it firsthand with his father, David. Now, as we look at David, who is David? David was the king of Israel. David had it all. David, King David. See, David was a man after God's heart, but he committed adultery with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11, murdered her husband, and then attempted to cover it up. Solomon understands the darkness and deceitfulness of sin and how susceptible our hearts are to it. One popular Christian author, he was an adjunct, adjunct professor at Talbot, Gordon MacDonald, he confessed to a moral failure. A couple years after, uh, later, he wrote a book called Rebuilding Your Broken World. And here are a few insights he shared. The first one is this. We're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. He says, we need to confront the lies that tell us it can never happen to me. And if it does, then I can handle the results. We need to realize that we are more vulnerable to sin, darkness, brokenness, and the potential damage is greater than we can imagine. Second, he says, we're especially vulnerable when we think we aren't. Pride can convince us to leave ourselves unguarded. What, is, what does the scripture tell us here? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Lastly, he says, secrets lead to death. Repentance and confession lead to life. Cover-up and self-deception keeps us in bondage until we are ready to name the sin and move forward in repentance and healing. So first, we must understand the daily struggle we all have. Second, we must understand the source. So again, verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, biblically, what is the heart? Daniel uh, and Jonathan Aiken say, the heart is the source of the river of your life. It's the command center. Everything you do flows from your heart. The way you think, talk, act flows from your heart. The heart is the agent governing all your body's actions. And here's what the Bible tells us about our natural disposition of our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. See, if the heart is the command center of your life, then let's ask, what is your heart looking to? What's most important to your heart? What have you decided? If I have that, then life will be happy and secure and great. If I have that, then I'll really be a somebody. 
You and I have made that decision in our heart and everything flows from it. The thoughts, perceptions, feelings, our actions. Sometimes does our actions surprise us? I never thought I'd do that. I never thought I'd say that. It comes from the heart. Timothy Keller says, whatever your heart has decided is its ultimate love determines all of the ways in which you make choices in your life. Whatever is the ultimate love of your heart spins out a way, a whole way of making choices and decisions in life. See, when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our hearts, we need God to intervene. We need God to rescue us from ourselves. We need true transformation from the inside out. I need to be born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. I need, to, I need a new life. See, living wisely is understanding how naturally deceptive my heart is and how I need God to give me a new heart. I need him to give me a new heart. I'm going to read a part of this quote from John Bloom, who wrote an article, Don't Follow Your Heart. He says, the truth is, no one lies to us more than our own hearts. No one. If our hearts are a compass, they are Jack Sparrow compasses. You know, Jack Sparrow. (laughs) They don't tell us the truth. They just tell us what we want. If our hearts are guides, they're not benevolent. They're pathologically selfish. In fact, if we do what our hearts tell us to do, we will pervert and impoverish every desire, every beauty, every person, every wonder, every joy. Our hearts want to consume these things for our own self-glory and self-indulgence. No, our heart will not save us. We need to be saved from our hearts. Jesus is our shepherd. Listen to his voice and his word and follow him. He is the truth. He is the way. And he will lead you to life. That's what we need. Because that's, that's it. So the last one is the solution. Verses 24 through 27. It says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Put your eyes, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the paths of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your feet away from evil. So what is the solution? Well, Solomon writes in verse 24 that we need to first examine ourselves. He says, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk from you. Now, what does this crooked, devious talk look like? Well, again, the commentator, uh, the Aikens said, if you use your speech to hurt others, deceive others, gossip about others, or falsely flatter others, Then it's the overflow of a sinful heart. Again, Jesus told us this clearly in Matthew 12, 34. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Jesus says that our words will justify or condemn us on judgment day. That's not because good works or good speech in this case get us to heaven. It's because your speech reveals whether or not Jesus has changed your heart. That's the transformation that we're talking about here. Second, Solomon writes in verses 26 through 27 to test your actions. Use this word at the beginning of verse 26, ponder. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. 
Do not swear to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So he's saying here, okay, both your words, my words, and my actions will reveal my heart. It will reveal where I'm at. So if you get cut off on that drive on the five and you're just like, okay, somebody cuts over into your lane and whatever comes out, yes, that really is you, right? It's not somebody else. It's not their fault. It's like, yes, that was in there. That was in there. And so, how's your heart? How's your heart? When he says ponder here, he's talking about the, it's another to weigh, to weigh it out. What's going on inside my heart right now? Here's the conclusion. As we ponder our words and actions, it should lead us to a dead end within ourselves. A spiritual dead end, if you will. A point to where we say, I, I can't do this. It, it's, it's really the bad news that we can't do it. Our words and our actions will fall short. So what's the solution? Look again at verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. What should this point us to? Well, hundreds of years later, the writer of Hebrews says this, and I just want you to say, okay, maybe there's a connection here. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, verse 3, consider, ponder him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What's going to lift you? What's going to lift your heart? What's going to lift my heart? What's going to lift us up in our worst moments? It's when we're pondering upon what Christ has done for us. What put him on that cross? Our greatest foolishness. That's what put him there. But Christ said it was worth it. We sent that email. Hey, I really fell short. And he sent back a message of grace. That's the solution, friends. It's pondering upon Jesus and what he's done for us. And so, as we wrap up here quickly, how can I live wisely? Number one, by remembering life is a journey. Some of you feel like your life right now, you're on this path and it's just getting darker and darker and darker. And I just want to encourage you that today there's hope through Jesus and that you can get onto a different path and your life can become brighter and brighter and brighter because he is the light of the world. And he is reaching out to you saying, don't go on that path any longer, but come to me. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Think about this. It's like you think about this being like a flashlight, right? You're in a dark forest, whatever it might be. You're walking down the path Think about this. 
How, how far can that flashlight go? It can get you a few steps ahead, but you have to depend on it every time as you take the each step, right? Where am I going? Okay, I'm traveling down this path. I, I, I can only see so far in front of me. This can see further than you can see. God's word knows more than you and I know. Second, there's only two paths. There's only two paths. This was really interesting to me as I was studying. Ray Ortland Jr. pointed this out. He says, we face only two alternatives, the wise way or the evil way. In our hobbit-like timidity, we might prefer a compromise. We might prefer three ways to choose from. A rotten life of, uh, I don't know what I put there. Okay, (laughs) a a rotten life of, a follow over at one extreme, a super duper life of wisdom over at the other extreme. But in the middle, a half decent life of mediocrity that we don't mind settling for. But God is saying there are only two ways, a gloomy disaster of a life without wisdom and a bright success of a life with his wisdom. Therefore, God's wisdom is not in optional extra. She is your life, like it says in verse 13. Sometimes we want to settle like in the middle, like, well, yeah, I just kind of live here in this middle lane of mediocrity. I'll kind of live it, not. It's going to lead to a certain way or another. That's it. Jesus says, narrow is the path to life. Wide is the way to destruction. But you know the the beautiful thing about the the narrowness of that road that Jesus says, this is the path? What happens is as you start walking down that path, it starts getting wider. Your life starts to open up. And that path that you thought was, everybody's doing it, I'm going on this path. You know what happens? It starts out wide, it gets very narrow. And your life starts to become darker and darker. Darker. That's what happens. So lastly, it's this. The gospel keeps us moving forward. I love this quote from Jerry Bridges. He says, our worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Some of us, we have really, we're, in a, we're, we're, we're really deep down there, really struggling. You're not too far down. From the grace of God. Some of us feel like, man, I've been doing my studying with Jesus time. I've been doing awesome. Been praying, fasting. I'm I'm good. You are beyond the the grace of God. Only way you're there is because of Jesus. And if you're if you're that close in that close proximity with Jesus, then you actually start to see how more sinful and how much more growth you need. Because the closer I get to Jesus, I'm like, wow, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. See, it's the gospel that keeps us moving forward. And so how do we get there? One of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, said to him, he says, Lord, we don't don't know where we're going. How are we going to know the way? And that's where Jesus says one of his most famous famous passages right here, John 14, 6. He says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This isn't just a set of good ideas and principles to memorize. This is a person. Jesus saying, come to me. 
and you'll find the way. Come to me, and you'll find the life. Come to me, and you'll find the truth. It's in the person of Christ. And so let's look to him today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've opened up life to us. That the heart of wisdom is the heart of God. And that God, you, you, could have, you could have taken us out. You could have said, yep, just go on your own path towards destruction. Just be foolish. But you said, no, I love you so much that I will not let you do this. I love you so much that I will take the punishment for it. I love you so much that I'll say, you go this way as I go to what you really deserved. Lord, help us to see that. That's your heart for us. And you've loved us like that. May we not run from you, but to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.